0: You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale. The term miracle is used way too often in sports. The miracle on ice in the 1980 Winter Olympics was dramatic and inspiring, but divine intervention wasn't necessary. Even the Miracle Mets in 1969 had a lot of things fall into place, but God putting his hand on them probably wasn't one of them. But if you want to talk about amazing stories that defied logic, let me give you one that you may not know about. When Mel Churchman took over at Northwest Missouri State University uh, as a head football coach prior to the 1994 season, school had not won a conference title in 10 years. The stadium was in disarray, and there were even rumblings around campus that the school might be closed. But Churchman never shied away from a challenge. Four years later, Northwest Missouri went 15-0, becoming the first college football program at any level. win 15 games in a season, and they won the NCAA Division II National Championship. Churchman then went on to win again the next year in four overtimes and has what has to be one of the greatest college football games ever. And prior to retiring, he won one more national championship and played for four others. He did it all while being one of the most humble and nicest people in the world of college athletics, where those two traits don't often blend
1: well with success. So coach, welcome to
0: Sports Connections.
1: Well, uh, thanks for having me, uh, David, uh, been a long time since uh, we've got together and, uh, kind of neat circumstances, how we did, but, uh, um, I'm still, uh, I'm still a, an active Bearcat in in a lot of ways and, uh, doing a lot of things. So, uh, uh, you know, this is, uh, anytime I can talk about football and talk about Northwest Missouri state, especially it's, uh, it's good for me. So thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. Now you've,
0: you've had success. At every stop, starting even when you were coaching high school football,
1: what are the keys to building a winning program? Well, I think, um, you know, for us, I, it's different for different people, but for us, uh, for me and for our staff, uh, and, uh, you know, number one, I was always blessed with good staff, good good assistant coaches. Um, you know, I coached for, I think, 44 years and, and uh, never fired a coach. So uh, that, that uh, you know, I feel good about that. Um, but we built everything around the, just the, the relationships that you have with players and uh, uh, getting to know them and letting them get to know you. Uh, I think that uh, when you have that connection, when you, when you're, when you really care about each other, then there's no doubt that, uh, you, you know, you you have a better chance for success. That doesn't always mean you're going to be successful. You, <laughs> you still have to have good players. And we right. were, uh, we were very blessed to have good players. I, you know, I've been in, uh, different situations in high school and, uh, obviously, uh, three different stops in college and, and every place I was at, we had, we did have good players. And part of that is, uh, you know, in college at least is recruiting, but, uh, uh, so, but it's just a combination, But I think more than anything else, it's a personal thing and uh, a family atmosphere, and uh, you know, just uh, building a building an attitude where where the team is the most important thing. Uh, you try to take the individual for the most part. You take the individual out of it. When you know one of the things we always talked about uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, wherever I was at, is that you know we don't worry about the individual. Um, Goals or individual uh, accomplishments, so much uh, individual honors, probably is the is the one that's really uh, that you really kind of sh- we always kind of shied away from. We said if we all do our job, all those things will take care of themselves. And our kids yeah. really bought into that, and uh, that really helps out. What
0: What drew you to Northwest? Because as we mentioned, Northwest was not not a success story when you took over, and and things were bleaker than just not, not winning on the field. What drew you there to begin with?
1: Well, um, you know, I, I, I was coaching at Austin college. Uh, I had been at Northwestern college as the offensive coordinator, um, NAIA division two. I was at Austin college. We were in AIA division two. Uh, that was my first head coaching, uh, position in college. And, uh, at that time I was, uh, you know, I was young, I was ambitious, uh, I wanted to uh, I wanted to move up uh, in in the coaching world and uh, uh, Division two was the next stop uh, according you know which I felt was the 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 next goal for me and uh, I had I had done my master's work at Northwest Missouri uh, during the summers uh, when I the last summer I was at Northwestern College and then the uh, one year that I was at uh, Denison High School in Iowa uh, those two summers I, I had spent here in Maryville, uh, getting my master's and I had gotten to know Jim Red. Jim Red was the, uh, the football coach at that time. Uh, and when this job opened, uh, Jim Red was the athletic director. He'd just become the athletic director. So, uh, that made it, uh, you know, at least I knew somebody, I knew a little bit about the school. <laughs> I had a degree from Northwest Missouri State. So, uh, um, th- those were probably the factors. I, if I would have really checked, uh, a little closer uh, to uh, the history, I might not have been as interested, but, uh, uh, it worked out pretty good for me. Now,
0: your first year, the uh, team didn't do real well. And a lot of that probably was carry over from, you know, maybe, maybe some of the seniors that had gone five and six the year before, uh, or, or whatever had, had gone on. Did you really believe, and I want you to be as brutally honest as you can, did you really believe you had a chance to be very successful at Northwest?
1: Well, I did, um, and, and some of that might have been a little bit of ignorance, uh, <laughs> to be real truthful. Uh, um, the, the staff that I hired uh, were all, uh, with, with the exception of, well, half of them were, were guys that I had relationships with, uh, that had played for me, uh, and they had been in successful programs. The other two also had been in successful programs, and so we all had that common bond that we uh, we just believed we were going to win. And uh, honestly, David, even in the spring, uh, you know, I took this job in January of '94, and the spring of '94, we went through spring ball, and uh, I still thought at that point I thought, well, we you know we can go 500. Uh, and uh, as the season went on, and we we ended up going 0 and 11. I realized. Uh, number one, I realized that you know our talent level was really low, uh, but more importantly, this conference was a very good conference, and uh, every uh, every game was going to be a tough game, no matter what the the other team's record was. Uh, you had a lot of preparation, and uh, uh, so you know um, we we still believed at the end of the season uh, we were all eleven, but we uh, we really believed we were going to win. I, I I know one of the things that we talked about um, you know, we didn't have great facilities. Uh, we were kind of at the bottom of the league and a lot of stuff. And, uh, as a coaching staff, we just kind of, uh, you know, I said, let's focus on, on what we have and not on what we don't have. And, uh, let's make the best of what we have. And, you know, we were told by some people that, uh, well, you can't recruit good kids to Maryville, you know, it's a small town and it's hard to get good players come to a small school. that doesn't have the, the tradition or anything else. And, uh, We just never bought into that. We just, uh, I guess we kind of played ignorant and we just kept on going and uh, it it worked out for us. Your second year, you you
0: had a better than 500 record. And the third year, you were in the playoffs. Were you surprised how quickly
1: success came? uh a little bit uh the second year we were six and five um we should have been eight and three to be real honest with you we had a couple of games we could have won but we had to learn how to win i I think that was probably one of the biggest things we had to we had to change the culture the culture at northwest missouri was you know uh just kind of show up and if if you win fine but if you don't well uh nobody really expects you to win anyway and uh, we had to change that and uh uh, I think what surprised me more than anything else is how quickly our players bought into that. We, uh, by 96, uh, you know, our third season there, when we did make the playoffs, we didn't have many players left that were, were with us in 90, you know, that were out there in 93, uh, that we inherited in 94, very few of them. And so uh, we were able to kind of flush that attitude and uh, build our own uh, culture. And, you know, our players really bought into it. It well, the thing that probably surprised me more than anything else, David, and I, I, I still remember this. Uh, we were uh, we got beat in we, we won our first playoff game in '96. We played at Nebraska Omaha, we scored on the last last play of the game. Uh, Jesse Haynes made a, a great one handed catch, and uh, we scored and, and uh, we moved on. We went to Northern Colorado, and we got beat in the last 30 seconds at Northern Colorado. We led pretty much the whole ball game. And uh, Northern Colorado went on and won a Division II championship that year. But after that game, the kids that were seniors, and we had about five or seven, five to seven transfer kids that we had brought in in 95. So they had been with us two years. And and I almost felt, uh, I felt bad that I didn't read them quite well enough. They were disappointed because they didn't think, they thought we should win a national championship. and I didn't really I felt embarrassed that I didn't think we were quite that far enough along. So that kind of told me how quickly our attitude had changed. And then 97, uh, you know, that was our goal. Uh, we, we were hoping to play them, uh, you know, get in the playoffs again, which we did. And uh, unfortunately, we lost in Northern Colorado again. We had a bad game. But uh, uh, And then when 98 came, uh, the guys that were seniors then, uh, we're fifth-year guys. They, they, they had been freshmen. We had redshirted them, almost all of them. Uh, they, were, they were seniors, and uh, their goal was – was, they only had one goal, win the national championship. And uh, they, they saw to it that we got it done. Uh,
0: you certainly caught the nation's eye, not only winning the national championship. Obviously, somebody wins a national championship every year. But you went 15-0, and first school to ever do that. But I want to talk about the next year. You guys had a bullseye on your backs the whole year. You not only won it all again, you went 14-1, and one, but the national championship game against Carson Newman, you won in four overtimes, 58-52. And I remember I worked for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at that point, and our president, Dal Shealy, was a former coach at Carson Newman. So we were all instructed that we were for Carson Newman <laughs> in that game. So I had to root for you secretly.
1: How much of your hair fell out with that game? Well, that was uh that was a great game. You know, we beat, we beat Carson Newman in the championship in 98. And uh, uh, that was a 98 was a, it was a downpour. We played, we had rain all that week in, in Florence, Alabama, and we played in the rain. Uh, they were an option team. So to, obviously uh, we had an advantage. Uh, we dominated that game. We ended up, I think one twenty four 24 to seven. Well, the next year we go back and, and, you know, here we are, we have one loss and I think Carson Newman might've been undefeated. Uh, and we played them in, in the national championship game and, uh, they were, they were loaded. They had some talented kids. And, uh, uh, at one point, I think it was 24 to seven. We were down, uh, that might've been the halftime score. Uh, that wasn't halftime, but uh, we were down, uh, I think, 17 points at halftime. And I remember uh, our offensive co- uh, coordinator uh, was Jim Sabota, who's now the head coach at Central Missouri. And I remember uh, Jim, was, Jim was real calm. Uh, he said to the, uh, the offensive guys in the meeting, he said, uh, you can help me out. He says, anybody have any suggestions for a third and really long? Because that's, <laughs> that's what we're in most of the morning, most of the first half. And uh, but we came back. and uh, you know, we just hung in there. Uh, one thing that I've always felt in, in tight games like that, it's almost easier to be behind than to be ahead and to hang on. And uh, I think that's kind of where we got. Uh, we scored two touchdowns. Uh, we had two drives of over 70 yards in the last uh, three and a half minutes of, the, of that ball game. Uh, and then had a two-point conversion. We scored with ten seconds left. We had to get a two-point conversion, and uh, you know Ryan George caught a pass at the uh, back of the end zone with his toes dragging, just dragging on the line. Uh, you know, at least we didn't have replay then. He, he might have been out. For all <laughs> I know, but, uh, and then four crazy overtimes, and we finally won. So uh, uh, it was uh, that was that was uh, an unbelievable experience. And uh, you know the the head coach at Carson Newman, uh, Ken Sparks, and I had become friends the year before. And we, uh, after that, we became very close friends. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, he was one of my best friends until he uh, unfortunately passed away a few years ago. But uh, uh, one thing we never did, we never talked about that game. We'd be together every year at the coaches convention. Uh, His wife, Carol, and my wife, Carol, were always together, but we never talked about that game. And, uh, you know, (laughs) it was a great game. Uh, And uh, we were, like I said, we were just fortunate enough to come out and top. Is there one play that sticks in your mind about that, that you remember the most about that game? Oh, man. Uh, there were so many plays. Um, you know, we uh, we got back to where we could get it to 15, and we couldn't get it under 15. If we'd get it to uh, 15, then they'd score and go to 22 again. And uh, we, we got it to 15, uh, I think. Matter of fact, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not quite sure how it was, but. They kicked off to us. They had scored, and uh, Tony Miles, uh, great player. Tony Miles ran to kick off back for a touchdown. That was uh, either late third quarter, or early fourth quarter, and that kind of kind of got us to the point where we could at least see, uh, you know, see that we could do it. And then, uh, like I said, we held them uh, uh, and got the ball back with about three and a half minutes ago. Went right down and scored and cut it to eight. And then we had to hold him. Uh, I, I remember one of the funny things, uh, Scott Boswick, uh, unfortunately, Scott, uh, uh, was my defense coordinator. Scott's deceased, uh, died of a heart attack uh, after he became the head coach at Northwest Missouri uh, within a few months. But Scott was a great guy. And uh, it, Scott and I always, I, I coached the special teams, but Scott always, uh, uh, you know, he had a little input. And so uh, we're, there's like, two minutes, two and a half minutes to go. And I said, what do you think, Scott? Should we try to onside? Or I said, can we, uh, you know, should we kick it deep and hold him? And at that time it was 44 to, uh, to 35 or 36, I guess, 44 to 36 with eight point margin. And he looked at me and he said, why would we, why would we kick it deep? We haven't stopped them all day. He said, <laughs> so we onside kicked and we didn't get it, but, uh, then we ended up, good, we did end up stopping them. And, uh, like I said, we drove down, and scored with ten seconds left, and the two-point conversion kind of always sticks out. Um, you know, we uh, Ryan George was at, you know, uh, actually probably our fourth receiver, but uh, he and Travis Miles, our quarterback, worked a lot on that that fade in the end zone uh, after practice. And uh, when we scored uh, before we ever called the play, uh, Travis Miles, our quarterback, looked over at the sideline, and he had the he signaled for that. That's what he wanted. And, uh, coach, uh, coach Saboto wanted the same thing. So here we are lined up with two tight ends and, and one wide receiver and, uh, two backs in the backfield and, uh, our three top receivers, uh, in that game. Uh, none of them are in the game and here, uh, you know, Ryan's the only one in there and he makes a great catch in the end zone. And, uh, uh you know, crazy things happen in the overtime. We, we, we missed a, They missed a field goal. We had a field goal blocked, um, and it ended up uh, – we scored in the fourth overtime but didn't get the two-point conversion. Um, they were driving in to score, and they fumbled, and we recovered, and that's how the game ended. I still remember that game, listening on
0: the radio, not, not – you know, even though Dal was not at my house, I tried to figure out how I could come in on Monday and be, be happy – and pretend that I was upset. So, <laughs> <laughs> are there are there any other things that you remember? I guess the best way to ask: What do you remember most about your entire career?
1: Well, you know, just so many things. Uh, um, I, you can't point to. I I can't point to one game or uh, one instance or anything like that because we just we were just like I said we were blessed to have so many different. Uh, great opportunities. We it, one of the things that I think that was a trademark of Northwest was the uh, the fact that we had the ability to score late and uh, to come back, and we did that in several games, uh, regular season, playoffs, uh, whatever. And uh, uh, so you know, so it's uh, you know, <laughs> going back to '99, uh, we were behind in the fourth quarter of all four playoff games. Uh, you know, uh, starting with uh, the first round game of North Dakota here and. Uh, Uh, Northern Colorado out there was a great game Uh, so you know so so there was uh, uh, there's a lot of things but I I think to me the highlight without a doubt is just the relationships that we built and uh, for me now uh, you know to be able to connect with with our former coaches uh, a lot of them are still coaching and in coaching in different schools uh, obviously our staff here is pretty much uh, we're, we're my guys and so that's great but uh, uh, the former players and, and you know i the almost hardly a day goes by that i don't talk to one of our former players or one or more and just uh, the relationships we've built i think that that's more important than anything else
0: it is funny coach I, i've talked to coaches and ath- and athletes and you know, Throughout the years, for more than 40 years, I've been interviewing people, and when I talk to people who are no longer doing what they became famous doing, and I ask them what they miss or what they think about, they always talk about the relationships with former teammates, with former people who played for them, with people who coached them, or whatever. It's, it's interesting how the fans keep track of the wins and losses, the,
1: the people involved keep track of the relationships. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, that's, to me, that's really what coaching is all about. You know I mean? Uh, and, uh, you, you my goal, uh, our goal as a staff, my goal as a head coach was always to, uh, make our players, have our players be better people, uh, when they left our, our program when they came in and we were, we were blessed to have some really good people when they came in. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, and we've got some great young people that, uh, they're out there now doing a lot of great things. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it goes all the way back to high school. Uh, I look back at some of those guys and they're not so young anymore because I was really young when I first started coaching in high school. And, uh, uh, you know, some of them are almost to a retirement age now and uh, to just see what they've accomplished with their lives and their families. Uh, that's the important thing. You, you set the program at Northwest uh, on very
0: sound footing Bearcats have won three more national titles under one of your former assistants, Adam Dorrell. What's what's the secret? You know, we talked earlier about your secret for um, winning and being successful while you're coaching. But what was the secret about building a program? I, you know, I'm friends with Coach Schneider, a retired coach at K-State, and he always told me, I don't want to build a top 25 team. I want to build a top 25 program. And that's totally different. What's the secret for building a program?
1: Well, I think, I think, again, that goes back to what we based our program on and, and the fact that those values that we established way back when we started in 94, those values, it's, a lot of those same values are still here. And part of that is because uh, of the tradition that we built. And part of it is because the coaches that are here now were part of that program and, and they, they became, those values became their values. And so uh, uh, yeah, that's the most rewarding thing by far is to be able to see. Uh, you know, we had seventeen. I had seventeen years of really good, uh, good success here, and a lot, and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things happened right for us. But to see that program continue, and I and, and I've told Coach Doral this many times in the six years that he was here. I came back as athletic director, you know, and and I was athletic director for all three of the, during all three of those national championships that he won. But uh, I and I mean. I, I, I believed it with all my heart, David, that he had made the program better. Uh, some of the things that they did in recruiting and the way they, they did things to actually improved the program. And that's, that's what, you know, they built on what we had in, in coach right now is our, is our head coach. He was a grad assistant for us when I was my very first few years. And then later became uh, our, our defensive line coach and uh, defensive coordinator uh, doing the same thing, you know, uh, the, 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 the base of the program is still there. And, uh, uh, the kids, uh, you know, have continued to buy into what we're doing. You mentioned something early answer to an early question that it was your desire to move
0: up, you know, to continue to move up the ladder, uh, of levels. Now I know you had opportunities to coach in division one. I. I actually got a phone call. I don't know if you ever knew this. I actually got a phone call from an administrator at a division one school who knew that you and I were friends. And he told me they were looking for a new coach and they wanted someone with integrity, with success, and they were interested in offering you a job. And he asked me two questions. One, did I think you would be interested in an offer? And two, did I think you would be successful? I I answered the second one first. I said, absolutely. If he is interested in moving on, he will turn your program into a very successful program. The other question, I don't know. I don't know if he has interest in moving up. Why did you stay? Well, first of all, how many Division One opportunities did you have?
1: Well, I had I had a few, not a lot. Uh, I tried for a few uh, where they didn't work out. Um, David, you know me well enough. Uh, I, I have a very strong faith and uh, I always felt like uh, ultimately I was going to be where the Lord wanted me to be. And so uh, sometimes uh, I didn't quite agree with that. <laughs> but a couple of times when I thought I thought he should have put me in a different spot, but uh, when it was all said and done, I was in the right spot. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I had a, uh, some opportunities that I did turn down. And, uh, you know, one, a couple of things. Number one, uh, we had a great program here, after, you know, as the years went on. Uh, after after 96, after 95, our worst year was seven and four. I think we were seven and four one year and eight and three another year. And otherwise it was nine or 10 or 11 or 12 or 13 wins, you know, uh, that's hard to match. Yeah. And uh, coaching, coaching anywhere, coaching football is a lot of work and it's a lot more fun if you're winning. Yeah. And I knew, well, I got to a point where pretty, you know, not too far into my career here, uh, with the staff that we had built and with facilities that we had, uh, and the the culture that we had created, we were going to win. We were going to win, and so uh, I wasn't uh, real anxious to go somewhere and uh, and and start over. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, those are the kind of jobs that are usually open. And yeah. so uh, uh, you know, so that was a lot of it, and. Uh, Um, when it came right down to it, um, we had, we had so many great players here. Uh, we had a lot of players that, um, when they came in, obviously as freshmen, they weren't division one players, but after by their fourth and fifth year, we redshirted all our kids by our fourth and by their fourth and fifth year, they could have started a lot of division one programs. So the quality football wasn't that much different. Uh, Maybe the pay would have been better, but uh, you know, I just, like I said, I've been blessed and uh, this was, this was where I was supposed to be. And, And I think it, you know,
0: you're retired now, you could live anywhere in the country. And the fact that you're still in Maryville, that says a lot
1: about what, why you stayed there. You're comfortable. Well, there, there's no doubt about it. And I, and I love Northwest Missouri State. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm on the Board of Regents now, David, so <laughs> a totally different role. But, uh, you know, I mean, I'm on there because I, I love this university and I and I love this community. Uh, Maryville is a great community and, and football here is unbelievable. And is isn't just Northwest Missouri State. Maryville High School has, has a yeah. tremendous tradition in football. Uh, they've I would say they're one of the best high school programs in the state of Missouri, without a doubt, over the last 15 years. Uh, uh, Matt Webb, uh, uh, his uh, former player here, he was, a, he was a teammate, Adam Dorrell. And Matt coached in college for several years. As a matter of fact, I think his last job was uh, he was a defensive coordinator at Southeast, uh, uh, Southeastern uh, Louisiana. And, and he came back and he has just done an amazing job here. So uh, people here appreciate football. Ball. They appreciate the what we've done in this community as far as uh, both the high school and the college, I think, uh, and Northwest. We've done a great job of having our kids involved in the community, and our kids, for the most part, are really good kids.
0: Most people don't get things named after them, at least while they're living, <laughs> uh, unless they donate millions of dollars. You, The field at Bearcat Stadium is now called
1: Melchurchma Field. How does that make you feel? Well, I... Uh, you know it's good. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm. I, I think you know well, know me well enough that uh, those aren't things that uh, are the number one priority in my life. But right. uh, it, it it definitely makes you feel good. And uh, um, you know, I had a, uh, I think uh, I think it was 2007 when we dedicated when we put the turf in that they named the field after me. And I, so I coached the last three years uh, you know, with my name on the field. And, uh, I remember one time, it wasn't a game. It was, uh, in the, in the, uh, I think it was in the spring we were having a, our spring game and one of the officials, uh, made a call and I said, you can't do that. And I said, that's, that's, uh, you know, and he kind of looked at me and I said, Hey, this is my field. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I didn't do that during a game, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've had, uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it, uh, like I said, it's definitely an honor. And I, and I feel, uh, very humbled that uh, they did that when they did.
0: <laughs> That's a great story. You can't do that. This is my field. <laughs> I did not. I had not heard that story. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, in 2006, while you were still coaching, you were elected the president of the American Football Coaches Association. Were you the first Division
1: II coach to fill that role? No. Um. I think Rocky Reese. I, I know Rocky Reese from Shippensburg was uh, at one time was a president, and he was a Division II coach. Uh, okay. You, you, you become president by being on the board of, board of trustees and you kind of work your way up. It's a, it's a long process. There were, at that time, there were like 15 or 18 people on the board of trustees. I was, I was put on the board of trustees, uh, I think after the 98 season, uh, after we won our first national championship. And uh, there were two division, two coaches, two division, three coaches, and yet the rest were division one coaches on the, on the board of trustees. But you, uh, you know, you work your way up. And of course, with uh, division one coaches, uh, <laughs> the the life expectancy at a school isn't real, doesn't last <laughs> real long. So uh, uh, attrition helped me out and I moved up to that point, I think in 2006 and uh, it was a tremendous honor. I, I learned so much from uh, Grant Taft. Grant Taft was uh, the executive director at that time. And sure. uh, he is uh, such a, a, know such a dynamic person but a a man of integrity without a doubt and uh uh, just the way he handled things uh had a tremendous influence on me and uh uh so it was uh yeah and and, you know ken sparks was uh ken was on the board of trustees too and later became the president after i did so uh you know we uh there were lots of good times with that and uh, a little bit of a side story on that david uh My wife uh, has been very active and actively involved in the Wives Association, and she served as president of the American Football Coaches Wives Association, I think a year before I was president of the the actual association. So, uh, uh, you know, it's just uh, those are great relationships. We still go to the convention every year. Uh, Todd Berry is our executive director now, and uh, I do a thing with Division II football uh, called Coaches Connection. And uh, we have conference call once a month. Todd's always on our conference call. So uh, just those are great relationships uh, that you just never, uh, uh, you never give up. Yeah, I, I know the, the world of coaching is
0: a very, I mean, there's a lot of coaches, uh, you know, just in college, uh, with all the different levels in AIA and the two levels in AIA and the three levels in CAA. And, You know, the National Christian College Athletic Association, there's lots and lots of coaches, but it's still a tight knit group. Somebody who's who may be a coach who you'd never play against or you'd never coach against that you might not know except for that community. You know, I'm involved in a coach's ministry and we think that we believe there's two things about coaches. One, they're called to coach. If you are called to coach, you have to coach. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. You're still going to be coaching and the second thing, which is good for, you know, as, as I get older and my memory starts to fade, the uh, the second thing is really good is everybody has the same first name. You know, I can go to one of these conventions and say, Hey coach, coach, how are you coach? Good to see you. <laughs> you don't have to remember John, Tom, Frank, David, Mel, whatever. You just remember coach. Talk about that tight knit community of coaching.
1: Well, it's a, uh, it, it is, it's a great, it's a great profession. And, uh, I don't know if you want to use the word fraternity or not, but uh, it, it is, it, you know, uh, once you're a coach and, uh, uh, you know, especially my experience with the, with the board of trustees, uh, most of those, like I said, most of those coaches were Division One coaches. And what I found out with, with those coaches is they, uh, they were just like me and they cared about people and uh, they didn't care if you were a Division Two coach or a Division Three coach uh, or an NAIA coach. Uh, they respected your opinion. And uh, when we had meetings, uh, we, you know, you were actively a part of it. And uh, I've always felt really blessed that way that, uh, you know, to have those relationships and uh, have those friendships. And even now, I mean, I run into uh, people now, uh, coaches now, division one coaches that are retired, that uh, those are still great friendships.
0: Yeah. Well, coach, I appreciate your time there. There's a couple of things that I always wrap up with. Um, the first one is talk about your family.
1: Well, um, you know, like I said, I've been blessed in coaching, but I was more blessed with a family. Uh, uh, my wife, Carol and I, uh, actually (laughs) we grew up together, uh, in a small town in South Dakota. Um, her mother, uh, her mother was my seventh and eighth grade teacher in country school. Uh, I always share this with everybody. Uh, I went to a one room school. Um, I graduated number one in my class in eighth grade because I was the only one in my class. So, uh, but her mother was my teacher. Her mother is still alive. She's 97, or going to be 97 next month, and uh, she can remember more more stuff about my life I think than I can. Uh, but anyway, uh, we had uh, we have three daughters, um, and uh, all three of them are very successful uh, families, uh, grandchildren. Uh, I was so blessed that Carol. Carol was a, uh, was, is a very independent individual, which I, I think coaches wives have to be because, yeah. uh, as a coach, you're gone a lot. And, uh, you know, and she did such a tremendous job of, uh, taking care of things and raising our girls, but still being involved in, in my career as well. Uh, she was a professor here at Northwest in the education department, taught, uh, 30 uh, some years, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in high school or, uh, elementary school and then at Northwest. And so, uh, uh, you know, we just been, we've been really blessed and, uh, you know, I've got a one grandson now that's playing at the university of South Alabama. It will be a junior, uh, actually was a junior last year, but he gets his season over again, uh, started every game at tight end. So I'm excited about that and, uh, just proud of, uh, of what each of our girls and their, their families, their husbands have done and how the grandkids are, are going right on and, and having success in the things they're doing as well. How many grandkids? we have eight. Um, we have, uh, three that are out of college, um, four that are out of college, uh, one that's in college. And then we've got three, uh, three, uh, two eighth graders and a, and a sixth grader. So, uh, <laughs> we've got them spread out and, uh, our youngest two are in Kansas city. So we get to see them a lot. The, the rest are in Texas and Mississippi. So we don't see them as much, yeah. but, uh, you know, it is, uh, with, with the way things are, now, you still, uh, uh, Being a coach, I learned how to text in a hurry. And uh, and if I text any of them, I get a text back right away. And if I I call them, I might not get a call back right away. But with a text, I get response. So that's good. All right. Last question. I always wrap up with this one. And I
0: get a wide variety of answers to this. And you can uh, answer it in whatever direction
1: you want. What is your legacy? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I, I think... I think my legacy is the culture of what we've done here. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, not just here, but each place that I've been, the culture that we've left. Uh, I think that to me, uh, I hope that's my legacy. And uh, that's more, to me, that's far more important than how many championships you won or uh, uh, how many all-conference players or all-American players you had or anything like that. It's uh, it, it's a culture that you left and and that is still there, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that to me here, that, like I said, that that, I'm more proud of that than anything else is the fact that we still have the same culture here and we're still winning. All right. Well, coach, it is always good to catch up with you when I ran into your son-in-law and
0: he said, you might, if you're a sports writer, you might know my father-in-law. He's Mill Churchman. (laughs) Yeah, we've been friends for more than 20 years. So it's great to connect with you again and look forward to seeing
1: you next time you come to Kansas City. Well, that's good. Please keep in touch and uh, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun for me. Thanks, David.
0: Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmailbooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.